Well, hello, everybody. This is Tracy Passo, and I'm the creator and host of the We Know We Ho podcast. And it's a podcast that covers the businesses and places to eat, shop, and play in West Hollywood. Mikey Consbrook, who is the owner of The Wine Room, uh, which is the sole wine bar in West Hollywood, located in a very historic spot where Charlie Chaplin once had his actor's studio, is joining me as my partner in crime. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Tracy. Welcome. And well, it's good to be back with you. I know. Well, this is exciting. We want to let everybody know this is uh, a new episode. It's actually an inaugural episode. I guess it's going under the We Know Whatever um, brand name. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I absolutely love wine and food and pairing the two. And Mikey and I had an idea for a monthly wine podcast when we initially interviewed him uh, on the V Wine Room segment last year. We'll put a, a link to that in our show notes. And Mikey is now my co-host on We Know We How. And we had so much fun. Mikey, I love talking about wine. And we had so much fun with that mac and cheese wine pairing. So we decided that we were going to create a monthly uh, podcast that was all about wine. And drum roll, please. Uh, we are going to call it We Know Vino. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. I, it, it's perfect. And actually, it was not my idea. I mean, I love rhymes. I guess I'm like really five at heart. But it was actually inspired by a tasting flight that I saw on a menu last weekend when I was in Healdsburg at a, um, a winery called Breathless. And their flight was called We Know Pino. And I'm like, oh, so... Alas, the idea was born, and and here we are. And uh, full disclosure on that name on uh, We Know Vino, I didn't look to see that it was taken for a podcast. So hopefully, we don't have to change the name on anything. <laughs> well, officially, I'd say it's ours until someone says it's not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Mikey, um, you are full disclosure here. We love transparency on the show. Yeah. You are in Nebraska, your home state, helping with harvest. I am. In um, fact, I am looking at a tractor as we speak. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to get into I'm dying to know what's going on in Nebraska with wine and wine bars and everything. But, absolutely. you know, I I'm super excited because it's fall. And what that means is if you are a member of a wine club, your wine shipments start shipping because it's finally cool enough in the state of California uh, to ship wine safely. And for over 10 years, I have been on the wait list and I never pronounced this right to become a Synquanon, Synquanon member. Yes, you and got it. Okay. And my recent shipment arrived last week, which I'm really excited about because it included the whites. And I have to say that was my first introduction, um, drinking Synquanon. I'm no, no comments. It wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> to, I, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking to the Santa Barbara wine, um, country. And mm, yeah. yeah, I, cause I grew up in, I was born in the San Francisco Bay area and I knew Napa and I knew big buttery Chardonnays, you know, and admittedly I was a bit of a wine snob. So if it didn't come from Napa, I wasn't interested in, I mean, you know, Sonoma at the time wasn't a big deal either. Um, and, you know, Stoltman, when I was looking at it, the wines at that time, they were sourcing from different vineyards and, you know, from places like Beckman and Stoltman and Biennacito. And like, what is all this, you know, this amazing wine up here? Because all I really knew, admittedly, about Santa Barbara County was from Sideways, which is Pinot. <laughs> mm, it, lots of Pinot. 
lots of Pinot. So I thought there was just Pinot up in Santa Barbara County. So anyway, that's uh, let's jump right into Santa Barbara County. A lot of people don't know, even uh, this past weekend, I was in San Francisco and a friend of mine said, where's the wine region in LA? Um, there is Temecula, but the really big one is up in Santa Barbara. Um, and uh, Labor Day weekend, I know it's a while ago, I had a weekend jaunt up there and we just wanted to kick off our, our episode talking about some of those wineries I visited. And Mikey, I was texting you, um, just sharing my excitement there and our love for wine. And the first vineyard I went to was Presqu'ile. Yes. And that is, Mikey, have you been there? That that vineyard tasting it is so, such a beautiful property. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I was going to have a little sidebar here quick. When people think of Napa, a lot of people have that same opinion about it's not good from California unless it's Napa. Um, and I think it's because the, the marketing geniuses that, uh, that got Napa on the map really were good enough to instill that in our minds and our psyche. But Napa and Santa Barbara have a lot of really interesting um, similarities in terms of the climate and how you go from one end to the other end and how the grapes you can grow will change drastically. Whereas if we're in France, if we're in Champagne, or if we're in Burgundy, we're only going to be growing Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Pinot Meunier. That's predominantly all they're going to grow because what the climate allows them. Well, mm. when, when you're in a tiny little county like Santa Barbara or you're a tiny little county like Napa, you start in one end and you can you can do a beautiful Pinot or Chardonnay or cool climate Rhone. And then as you move, uh, in Santa Barbara's case, as you move to the east, as you move inland, all of a sudden it's more uh, Rhones to hot climate Rhones to Bordeaux. Uh, in Napa, it's the southern part by Caneros region. That's where you get your Pinots and your Chardonnays. And as you go north up Highway uh, 29, then you're getting into, uh, they kind of jump from Burgundies to Bordeaux. They kind of skip Rhones there, but it gets warmer and the climate is more and more um, amenable to these these very famous grapes out of France uh, that people just kind of blow off. And, and, you know, oh, they can't do that in America because it's not France or they can't do that in Napa because the climate's different or whatever the case may be. So the fact that you like Napa, know Napa and enjoy Napa wines and the fact that you're discovering and really enjoying Santa Barbara, there's a lot of really interesting similarities between the two in terms of the vast number of different grapes that can be grown, the vast number of different microclimates. I'm a geek when it comes to this kind of stuff. I could go forever, but that was my little sidebar of it's they're They're not that different, except one is way up north and one is central coast. I, I love actually love that because as you're I was thinking about my wine drinking introduction and history and coming from San Francisco on my whole wine world was Chardonnay and Cabernet, obviously from Napa. And this was, mm -hmm. you know, back 30 years ago. Um, I was five, not drinking wine, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had wine in my bottle, so that's okay. <laughs> and then I moved to LA and I'm what I'm like, what is GSM? What is this Grenache Syrah Mouvedra? You know, yes. what, what, what is this? What is this run wine? And like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. So I was just thrilled um, to be able to, you know, discover um, new wines and there are, are quite a few. Yeah. There are. Yeah. Yeah. So up at Presqu'il, um, I don't have the tasting menu in front of me, but they have so many different things that they offer up there. It is so beautiful. It's very modern. It is gorgeous. I highly recommend taking a trip up there. It's kind of at the most northern point uh, of that area. Mm -hmm. And as I texted you the tasting list, 
you're like, you have to taste a carbonic gamay noir. Yes. And I said, yes. And you said, I'll tell you all about it later. So it was <laughs> delicious. I'm trying to remember like two months ago. I remember I loved it. And Mikey, tell, tell, educate me. What is going on with the carbonic gamay noir? Okay. Well, I, I don't want to get too technical or too, um, uh, wizardry here, but basically, uh, carbonic wines, it's a carbonic maceration. It's a way that, uh, the grapes are broken down. It's the way that they're, they're pressed. The skins are squished, if you will. Um, the grapes are put into a chamber and CO2 is injected into the chamber to create a lot of pressure with that pressure. Those skins of the grapes will start to erupt and start to crack. And when that happens, the juice will automatically start seeping out and, and dripping out um, within the air around us, within the, the skins of the grapes, within basically everything around us. Uh, we have native yeast that is just living on, on everything. And the uh, fermentation starts immediately. So sometimes you hear the, the phrase free run juice. And that is when you're piling grapes into a container and the weight of the grapes will start to crush themselves under their own weight. And that first bit of juice that runs out is called free run because it's not being physically pressed. Well, in carbonic maceration, that juice that's coming out, it's basically it's the coveted juice. It's, it's the, first, the first press, the best juice. But because it's in that, that, that chamber, because it is being um, injected with CO2, because of all those things, it's, it's called carbonic maceration. So then you get the carbonic wines. And I don't know if you noticed or, or could taste it. It doesn't go through secondary fermentation like a sparkling wine would. But you would almost swear to yourself there's a slight hint of effervescence. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. It wasn't like in your face. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's great. And it's and because because it's not sitting on a bunch of skins like it would be if it's pressed, it's a little lighter. It's a little bit lighter in body, in color, in characteristic. Uh, texture. Uh, one of my favorite carbonic wines, not to take anything away from the, the Gamay Noir that you had at Presqu'il, um, is at Soul Miner, and they do a carbonic macerated Syrah, which is equally as amazing, but when you pour it in the glass, you would swear it was a Gamay or a Pinot Noir or um, uh, a Grenache because it's so light, and then you taste it, and your just mind is blown. You know, um, I soul miner, we were trying to get into soul miner and we weren't members and I don't think they had any reservations, but that definitely is on my list. I've heard a lot of good things about soul miner. Very good things. Anna and David, they started that um, winery from nothing. David and Anna are the owners and David's the winemaker before organic was a big, big thing before biodynamics was a big, big thing. They were doing all that. And um, they started from nothing. I, I remember seeing them at little wine festivals and tasting their wines and absolutely loving their wines back when, you know, they couldn't give it away. And I don't mean that in, in a, a derogatory way, but now that people know how amazing um, their wines are, how uh, just thoughtful the process is that they go through in terms of um, how they treat nature and the land and the organics around us, those guys are going to be on the map for years and years and years to come. I, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate to have worked with them kind of from the beginning because uh, hopefully that will mean I still have a foot in the door someday down the road when I would like to stop in and say hi. But <laughs> they, they truly have just blown up and are, I'm, I'm very proud of what they've been able to do. And I hope that's not condescending because I, I'm just one little consumer and more and more people are finding out how amazing they are. 
Oh, I love that. All right. And Mikey, um, there are no shameless plugs on this show. So if you carry soul miner there at V wine bar, please let us know we, and say, Hey, we actually have some. We do. We, we do carry soul miner. Um, they have such a big following with their wine club that uh, they sell out of stuff very quickly. So as soon as David releases something, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always bothering him via text or email. I'm like, Hey, 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 I'm like, I'm like that. I'm like that little kid in the room. I'm like, Hey, tap, tap, tap. Hey, Hey, I need attention. Um, and I usually can get several cases of his new releases. Um, right now we have the, what is called the um, Nebulite. It is a, it's a sparkling dry Syrah. Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't speak enough of its praises. <laughs> that sounds delicious. How many bottles do you have? <laughs> uh, currently, we have tw- uh, 24 bottles. Okay. Um, and I know I'll be able to buy a little bit more from him, but that stuff will go and will go very quickly. Um, and I know that we're going to segue later into Thanksgiving or fall wines. That, my friends, is a must, must have for your Thanksgiving table. And we can talk about that later. Oh, I love that. Oh, yum. All right. Um, so let's see, moving on kind of in that area, there's, you know, little towns like Los Alamos and Los Olivos and Santa Ynez. So there's so many, if you can't, you know, a lot of the, um, if you can't get to the wineries, they have also, in addition, tasting rooms. And there are quite a few tasting rooms in this adorable little town called Los Olivos. Um, and if you have not been there, it is, I don't know, two and a half hours, maybe drive from LA with no traffic. It is adorable. We started there, Mikey. I didn't know. Um, I knew one of them, but we started at a place called Dragonette mm-hmm. and we went there uh, because my girlfriend loves whites. She's a wine connoisseur and she said they have a great selection of whites. And so we went there for uh, a white tasting and um, I really love the Sauv Blanc and I can't remember which one uh, that we had. They sourced from different areas, but um, really, really lovely white wine, Sarah Dragonette. They do. They, they, um, they've been, and again, when I was first coming into the wine scene, they were uh, in their infancy. And so it's been really fun to see where they've gone uh, from then to now. And admittedly, I haven't tasted their, their line. We, we unfortunately do not carry them at V wine room, um, but they are certainly worth a taste and worth a, worth a stop. If you're up in the area, Um, I haven't tasted their wines in about two years because of COVID closures and, and those sorts of things. But if you are in the area, please do taste. And it's it's a project uh, that started with a group of people with multiple minds and multiple personalities and multiple um, taste buds grows a really interesting and fun palette of wines. Definitely on the list for Los Olivos. And then after our second tasting was literally right around the corner. And this was a recommendation from Kaina. And Dragonette said, where are you going? Because we were hurrying up our tasting because we were late. This was our second day. And Dragonette goes, oh, my gosh, we love Future Perfect. That's the name of the winery, uh, Future Perfect. And they have literally a brand new tasting room. I think it was maybe like two months old. It is so adorable Um, from a design standpoint, like cute little um, areas where you can wine taste. And why I really Loved it. I love the branding, Mikey, because it has rainbows on the label. You and I are rainbow uh, people. Yes. Love. 
And we met the owner who was just full of sunshine and her name is, is Sunshine Stricker. And she was awesome and amazing. And admittedly, we didn't get through our full tasting because we were like running super, super late. We had to get over to our next place, which was Daltman. But we did, we were able to taste a sparkling rosé. And uh, yeah, and I actually did a little video because we were just loving her and the wines and everything was delicious. And they have a small wine club and she just, I, everything in there, the candles, the apparel, I bought a shirt. Um, so maybe I'll go ahead and add that on after this episode so you can see who Sunshine is. But Future Perfect, um, just a, a really fun uh, venture up there and nice selection of wines. Not too big. I think they may be about six or seven deep on their list. Okay. Yeah. Um one and, and listening to your, your experience while you're up there, one of the things um, I tell people when they ask me, how should we organize our trip or what should we do? I usually try and say, if you're going to make reservations, make no more than three. Make one for late morning, have a nice breakfast and then go taste and then have a, a late lunch uh, and then try and do two uh, appointments after that. Otherwise, you get yourself so far behind the eight ball that you're running and you don't really get to sit down and enjoy and, and let things soak in. And sometimes even three tastings gets me much because you you start a dialogue with the the person working there or the owner, as the case may be. Um, and you just want to continue the experience. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't. I have to run. And it it wine country to me is always different each time. But the similarities, you always meet somebody. You always want to spend more time in that situation or that setting. And you ultimately have to leave whenever you go up there do to have no more than three reservations if you're making reservations or simply go to a town like Los Olivos or Solvang um, and just wander around and walk into a place and enjoy it. it it's just, yeah, I, I feel your pain every single time I'm there. I'm like, oh, I want to stay, but I can't and have to go. <laughs> I totally concur with that. And I, for me also, I think that 10 a.m. is a little early in the morning for me personally to get going. And, you know, what I like, and I, I hadn't experienced this prior, and I don't know if this is a new thing, but a lot of people are adding charcuterie plates um, that you yeah. can, and boards, you know, that you can add as an mm -hmm. add-on. And what's really nice, Mikey, are you familiar with the, it's a platform called Talk, and it's not TikTok, but Talk, T-O-C-K, are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. I, I'm as far as familiarity. No, I just I've just heard of it is all. So it's they do um, a consolidation of wineries and it's like a booking system. So if you say like, OK, I want two people um, this coming Saturday um, in uh, Los Olivos, so Los Alamos, they bring up all the tastings and then they'll show you like if I'm going to say like Presqu'il, there's just a normal tasting or maybe they have a like tasting with your curry board and the prices vary and you can book it right there. I believe it's an app um, or on the website and it's like a dream um, and you can see the little dots on the map. So you can kind of, you know, depending on where you are, figure out your drive time. Um, but that's a really good way. And I, I, I love either starting with a charcuterie pairing or having that be my second, depending, you know, on where I am in the day. But yes, I, lo I love that recommendation of no more than three. <laughs> yeah. It, it just gets too hard. And then, also, you're you're running around like crazy, um, and all of a sudden you you've you've drank a little bit too much, and then dinner that night isn't as well. We can get to some food later, but dinner then <laughs> isn't as as fun or engaging as it could be. All of a sudden, at five o'clock, you're ready to go to bed or take a nap because you drank a lot of wine by five o'clock. So, yeah, pacing yourself is always a good thing. 
Yeah. So, okay. So we had four that day. So, you know, where we were and we were running behind, um, getting to our first tasting. So, um, our third tasting, which actually, yeah, our third tasting was at Stoltman and, uh, we went to their tasting room. We had to do a wine pickup there. And I mean, I can't begin to say enough about Stoltman. I've known they're probably one of my first entry points <laughs> into the Santa Barbara County wine. And they have so many incredible wines. And I, at one point, a couple of years ago, several years ago, I actually made it to the vineyards for a tour. And I love everything about this vineyard. I love the family. Tom, who is the originator, walked in and looks like a big, huge, tall Santa Claus. He's probably like six, five. He walked in as we were sitting on the porch. He and his son own the vineyards. And when you hear their stories and if you're a wine club member um, or you can just see them on YouTube when they do the tastings, they really talk a lot about their employees and their workers um, that are there with them. Um, and, you know, one of the things that they have, one of the wines is it's called La Quadria. It's really to help support the workers that are there year round and in an effort to provide, you know, stability to these employees who are working in the vineyards and their families. Uh, La Quadria means the crew and the crew, the wine crew receives the profits of their wine. Um, and it's such a great story. And it, it was really kind of um, instigated by, I think, the vine vineyard manager. I, I believe his name is Ruben. And there's even a wine called Pada, uh, Love You Bunches and Pada Maria, which is for his wife. Um, and yeah, like they own, I think what happened was, and I, I'll go back to this, but I believe that Tom, you know, gave Ruben like a plot of land to do whatever he wanted with grapes. Mm -hmm. to create his own label. And so it's just, it's such a great story. I, I just love it. I love small business. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of, of Stoltman. Um, I mean, I don't even know, like, wh where do I, where do I start with Stoltman? I love everything. One of my favorite is the par Para Maria Rosé, which is pretty tricky to get. And that's a blend of Mouvedre, Syrah and Grenache. Oh, I love, I love when they do a GSM Rosé. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's um, beautiful. Have you um, have you tasted it? I have not tasted that one. No, um, mm -hmm. but I I'm also on board with Stoltman quite a bit. Um, and they're you know they're one of the older wineries in the area, so they they've they've been around a while. They they've been able to see the changes that the valley has gone through from when vines were first planted in the late '70s, and it really wasn't a wine region until the late '90s um, to now where they they've really got their foot in the. Uh, the culture of wine and and uh, the popularity of wine. Um, but to your point about the vineyard making wines to support the, the vineyard workers, a number of different wine labels are doing that now. It's becoming more and more popular where um, one one entire uh, label of uh, a skew of wine will just be like those profits go 100% back to the vineyard workers. And I think that's a really, it's a really um, nice thing for an owner or a vineyard owner, either the wine owner or the vineyard owner to do that, uh, recognizing what hard work uh, goes into the final product. Um, it's not like a mechanized farm where I'm sitting here in Nebraska on my farm, I'm looking at a tractor and I'm thinking, wow, this is very mechanized. One person can do, you know, hundreds and hundreds of acres uh, on their own because of the machines versus, you know, these real small winemakers, these small vintners, these small wine um, or uh, vineyard owners, um, one person couldn't possibly do what they need to do to be successful. They've got to employ many, 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 many people 
uh, especially seasonally to make everything work. And how do you, how do you make sure you're paying people a living wage? How do you take care of your people? That's a really wonderful way of doing it. Mm, yeah. And, you know, harvest, I have come to learn over the last couple of years, cause I'm, uh, you know, uh, very good friends with Sweetser sellers and I've learned a lot about winemaking, the winemaking process. And like they can be harvesting at 3 AM in the morning. Yeah. And in these wine regions, it's not 80 degrees at 3 AM in the morning. Like it can be cold and like in the thirties and, it, it, I mean, it is hard work. You know, you've only got this small window to get the grapes picked because if you have in mind that you want to make a certain type of Syrah or a certain type of Pinot or whatever the grape is, um, they can't stand the vines longer than, than, than they need to be because the sugars build up. Then all of a sudden the alcohol content's higher. Or uh, if you risk catching a rain, all of a sudden the vine sucks up a lot of moisture and the, the acids plummet. I mean, there's, they have this window where they have to get it done. It's not like, you know, if we're sitting at a desk job and we're like, well, I didn't get that number pushed over there and that, that filed over there, but tomorrow I can get to that. When it comes to farming, uh, specifically, you know, uh, growing grapes, you've got this small window and you have to do it. it and you, you rely on people who understand, um, you know, we're all in this for the final product. We may be working today for 14 or 16 hours and that's just what it's going to be. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool once you kind of get into it and really understand all that. And it's harvest time up there right now. So it is. <laughs> great, great time to be up there tasting wine. And if you Absolutely. are, <laughs> Absolutely. our fourth and final tasting on the marathon weekend, marathon day of wine tasting was in, we're still in Los Olivos, is Cayena. Um, and that um, was recently introduced to me. Yes, yum. Their label, love their labels. It looks like Hawaii. And we only, I think we did a truncated taste there. I, I remember loving the Malbec. I, I love Malbecs. And then I am a huge fan of uh, Rhone blends. And they have something called a Hapa Blanc, which is a white blend. And it has 50% Roussan. Is that right? Roussan? Roussan? Roussan. Uh-huh. Okay, 50% Roussan, uh, 70% Viognier, 70%, 17% Grenache Blanc, and 8% Riesling. And it is delicious. Yes. Okay, so Michael uh, Siguan is the winemaker for Kaena. And we do carry Kaena wines in um, the wine room. Uh, they were one of the very first wine wineries in California uh, from that area that I started working with. Um, Michael is actually a fourth generation Hawaiian, uh, and that's why he's got a Hawaiian flower on the label. That's that that's kind of his thing. And he names a lot of things after his childhood or Hawaiian names and words uh, when it comes to the wines, which is why it's called Hapa Blanc. And all those things, all the honeysuckle, all of the, the the floral notes. And again, when you when you think honeysuckle, floral notes like gardenias, jasmine, you think that smells sweet and pretty. That's mm-hmm. going to taste sweet and pretty, and it's it's not sweet. You you taste the floral, you taste the grape, but it's not sugary. It's not viscous and sugary. It's just it's oh god, yum. And I I they're one of my favorite winemakers up there. Her name is Sonia Majewski. She used to make a, a Viognier, uh, which to this day, it might be one of my favorite Viogniers I've ever had. She doesn't make it anymore, but she was also one of my six original winemakers when I opened up V Wine Room uh, almost nine years ago now. And I misspelled Viognier on the list. I was, I was rushing to get my list put together and get open for a soft opening. And I was doing everything at that time because I didn't have staff or anybody to help me. And I misspelled Viognier. Uh, the funniest possible way I could have 
And when you looked at the the list, and so female winemaker, amazing wine that's very floral and feminine and 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 what have you. And when you looked at it phonetically, I spelled it Viogyner. <laughs> Sorry. Viogyner. So now <laughs> at, to this day, I whenever I talk to Sonia and, and we have this fun little banter back and forth, I, I always I always call her I'm like, Sonia, how's your Viogyner doing? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> you, may, you may have created a new word, Mikey. <laughs> so for everyone who loves Viognier, I hope that doesn't ruin it for you, but just trust, Viogyner is the best. It's <laughs> coming from a man who's married to a man. Viognier oh is the best. <laughs> All right. And this uh, gay woman over here is having quite the laugh about that. All right. <laughs> That's what it's all about. All right. We may have just lost half our listeners or gained a whole ton with that. Conversation. <laughs> oh, and it is, you know, it, it, it is hard to find a really good Rhone blend. You know, I love the Roussin, Marsan mm-hmm. um, blends and they're kind of tricky. So I'm kind of feeling a, a different, you know, some kind of a theme somewhere Mikey where we kind of circle back and and get some of those really nice Rhone varietals uh from your favorite places that are uh yeah and Rhones are really really good uh fall fall because Mm -hmm. Rhones are a bit heavier um they're a bit more viscous on your palate you know I was at a Dodgers game with a friend and it was cold and he goes well we better put our beer sweaters on I mean you know (laughs) it's just (laughs) <laughs> you know what 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 warms you whiskey warms me in the fall um, yes, but, bourbon. You know, heavier wines seem like they're perfect for this time of year and marsan and Roussan are both medium to full-bodied wines we don't we don't know them because we don't see them very often um i've got a beautiful marsan Roussan blend right now at v wine room from a winemaker uh whose label is called cavaletti and it is absolute must it is you must must patrick uh is is an amazing winemaker and, and this blend, this Marsan Roussan blend is amazing because Roussan itself is, might skew a little floral. Marsan skews a bit more um, earthy, a bit more um, herbal. And the two mm. of them together make a beautiful combination. Yeah, you don't often see them, or you can correct me here. I've never seen them as a single vineyard dozen. They're always blended with something else. Is that generally? That's that's a really accurate statement. I I have a really hard time. I, I try and do mono varietals as much as possible, being a single grape. Um, and I used to have both a Marsan and a Roussan available. Um, but because people don't know them, and because if you don't know it, you don't buy it, winemakers will do this project and they're like this is going to be great and we're going to be this this cowboy and we're going to go out and we're going to pave new trails and then they are left with all this wine that they can't sell because restaurants don't buy it because their customers don't know about it and wine bars don't buy it because their customers don't know about it etc etc and i'm the geek out there going oh my god it's 100 (laughs) percent! i must have all of it uh so every time i find it i always i always have it in stock but right now the closest thing that we have is 50% 50% Marsan, 50% Roussan blend together. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just making notes of everything I'm putting on my list. I've got to um, get in to see you um, soon and I'll wait till you get back from Nebraska and we can go through and taste all these. It'd be really oh fun. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be drunk for days when I get back from Nebraska. <laughs> I mean, there's so much wine that I haven't had. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, I love it. I love that, it. That's when you asked me about the wine scene in Nebraska and I'm sure everyone listening probably just, you know, spit wine out their nose at this point um, because that's almost an oxymoron. But so I, uh, my farm is in the South central part of the state and my, my farmhouse is two miles outside of my hometown called Junietta. 
Uh, Junietta is a town of uh, just under 800 people. So uh, not much in, in, in the world of wine there. But if you go down the road 15 miles, there's a town called Hastings, which is about 20,000 people. And much to my shock and delight, there is a wine scene in Hastings. Um, and I, I have found wines there that we actually carry at V Wine Room for two reasons. A, the winemaker is uh, a native Nebraskan. And so this, this particular restaurant picked up on it and, and, and has it. Um, and B, the owner of the restaurant is a huge wine geek, much like a lot of us. And mm. even though this is his home and this is where he stays, he has created a wine list there that I still go in and I'm just, I sit down just to look at the list and I'm amazed at what regions he's carrying from Napa and Santa Barbara and around the world. And I just, I'm like, Jamie, please. I, every time I come in here, I, I just find something new that I've never had that I, I fall in love with in a town of 20,000 in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. So don't poo poo all these small, small towns in the Midwest and think they have no culture and they don't know about wine. Yeah. Um, that, that's fun to go to up a small place like that where unexpectedly they have a, a phenomenal, you know, wine list. It's amazing. The wine list that he's assembled would be phenomenal. If I saw in a restaurant in Los Angeles, I would be like, wow, well done. And it's in middle of nowhere, Nebraska. So <laughs> cheers, cheers to you, Jamie. Cheers to you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to put a link um, to that. And if, if he doesn't have his wine list online on the website, Mikey, your job and your homework is to go in and snap a shot and we'll share that with everybody. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up my little wine trip. So it is harvest season. It is such a wonderful time to go to the wine country. You know, the vineyards are changing colors. There's the brilliant red and yellow and orange like you see back east in the trees um you know make sure you make your reservations because it is a very popular time up there check out the application talk t-o-c-k either app or online to make your reservations check out los olivos they have a lot of tasting rooms there's a lot of ways to get up there depending on traffic ways took us up the five across the 166 and we passed this wonderful new hotel called kuyama buckhorn um, which is very cool. So if you're starting your journey, you can start north and stay there. And there's some uh, fantastic food up there as well. And Mikey, do you know Bells and Los Alamos? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So did you see the news? Uh, no. They were just awarded a Michelin star. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And for the listeners, Los Alamos is a town of, or what, like when I first started going up there, was a town of less than a thousand people. I mean, this was where the laborers that worked out in the fields would live, uh, you know, in inexpensive housing. And, you know, there was a gas station and that was about it. And now there are some beautiful tasting rooms there that the winemakers have embraced the small, small town. There are interesting um, antique shops. There are art galleries mm -hmm. and it hasn't ruined. I mean, it hasn't created a yuppie vibe. It hasn't, it hasn't ruined Los Alamos. Uh, it's still a very cozy, small town, you know, feel, uh, and the restaurants that have moved in are, they're not pretentious. And that probably sounds silly to say if they've won a Michelin star, but you go in and the food is, the food is well done. Um, I don't want to say comfort food, but comfort food, well done comfort food, things that, you know, things that are elevated, but they're not elevated to the point that you eat two bites and you're done. And you're like, what just happened? It's still like 
a hearty, delicious meal that's elevated, that is done with a lot of farm-to-table, fresh ingredients. Oh, I'm so happy to hear about the Michelin star. Wow. Yeah. And then also on my Instagram, it, it popped up. There's a new place and uh, I wanted to get in. It just didn't work out with our, our schedule of events at, called Bar Le Cote, um in Los Olivos. It looks okay. amazing and incredible as well. So that, that is new. Oh, yeah. I love in Los Olivos, the wine merchant cafe. If you're, if you're mm. up in Los Olivos and you're tasting, um, have lunch at the wine merchant cafe. It sounds like it's going to be something simple and, and um, diner ish. But it's 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 anything but a diner. It's it's delicious, um, perhaps a little skews towards French inspired, mm. but um, the food's amazing. Uh, the the wine list is 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 spot on. Um, it's a great place to stop and and slow your day down and have food while you're tasting. Um, Los Olivos is a town that they roll out the the red carpet at eight a.m. for breakfasty things, and by five or six o'clock in the evening, all the lights are turned off. You're done. There's nothing else. So <laughs> spend your day in Los Olivos and then go to a place like um, San Ynez or Los Alamos for dinner or even down into uh, Solvang, the kitschy little Dutch um, village of Solvang, because they've got some really great restaurants there, too. Yes, it's always a fun trip um, to take you like for a Denmark, a Danish experience and able skiver. Lots to do. Yes. Oh, my gosh. OK, I, I'm looking at my calendar wondering when I can get back up there. I know. When are we going? <laughs> as soon as you get home. We'll make it a business trip. Let's go. Ah, <laughs> we can write it off. Oh, I'm yeah. already in. I'm already. Oh, I'm, oh, yep. We can take the show on the road. <laughs> oh, my God. Broadcasting live from Kaena. That's right. How fun would that be? All right. We'll talk about that when you get back. Um, all right. So um, let's wrap things up here, Mikey. Um, we want to, I want to end our first inaugural episode today. I think we did a, a fun job. I've had fun. I hope um, our listeners have had fun listening. Yes. Um, we wanted to talk about here we are October and you know, the change of seasons. We do have a, a slight change of seasons here in LA. And we wanted to talk about some fall picks and you, Michael, you have a, um, Mikey, you mentioned a couple earlier on, but what are some of your other fall picks for the fall? For sure. So I always say drink what you like. I, you're, you're probably going to hear that over and over from me. I'm a broken record. But if you, you know, if you love a big, heavy Cabernet and it's 110 degrees outside, drink it. Uh, if it's 35 degrees outside, drink it. I would say drink what you like. But if you want to break out of the mold a little bit and if you want to try new things uh, or what I would call seasonal wines, um, Right now is a great time for like heavier Rhones. Um, it's also a great time for some of those sparkling reds. Or, you know, if, you, if you're a burgundy person, um, get a really earthy burgundy. Because uh, that, that change of seasons, it kind of feels like it's a warming up or the, the drink's going to warm you a little bit. Um, but in terms of like Thanksgiving, uh, a sparkling red is great. Uh, this uh, um, rubellite that we have from Soul Miner uh, is 100% Syrah. And it is sparkling and it's going to go with pretty much anything that you can have at a Thanksgiving table, whether you're a traditionalist and have turkey and stuffing and gravy and potatoes or whether you branch out and you do, uh, you know, something that's not quite the traditional meal um, for our, our vegetarian and vegan friends. This wine is amazing because it pairs with almost everything because it's not that big, heavy, full bodied Syrah. It's going to be uh, more medium bodied and, you know, it, Thanksgiving in LA can still be quite warm. And so it's served chilled and it's, it's refreshing and it's bubbly and it's just, 
it goes with cranberry flavors. It goes with turkey. It goes with everything you can possibly think of. Um, so that is one of my fall picks uh, for the Thanksgiving table. But just in terms of fall in general, Syrah was kind of played out. And a lot of people have been there, done that, and, and they didn't go back down that road again. But there's some beautiful Syrahs on the market right now. I prefer um, earthier, uh, dustier, leathery Syrahs, something that would be classified more as a northern Rhone or a cool climate Syrah. We've got a couple of options at V Wine Room. But if you're out and about, uh, let's say you're up in Los Olivos, there's a wine room there called Tensley, or a, a winery called Tensley uh, Tasting Room. And they specialize in Syrahs. And I think they pro- probably have three or four different types. Uh, do yourself a favor. And even if you're just lukewarm on Syrahs, go there and taste because it will blow your mind. They're just well, well done. And they have a Grenache Blanc. And anytime I see 100% Grenache Blanc, I'm sold. Um, yeah, I, you know, I would, I would say for the change of seasons, we're not yet heavy, heavy wines like the winter. It's not light, light wines like the summer. Grab yourself a Rhone varietal. Rhone varietals would be Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra, um, Marsan, Roussan, Grenache Blanc, Viognier, uh, just to name some of the more popular or more uh, widely uh, known ones. Those are all going to be just perfect for this time of year. Well, there is so much wine and so little time. Indeed. Well, that brings us to the end of our first episode here um currently and hopefully titled in the future we know vino mikey what'd you think i thought i thought that was awesome i thought it was great i i especially (laughs) like that we have to do our homework by going to these places i mean (laughs) it's a hard job but someone's got to do it somebody's got to do it i know i know i love it uh for now we're gonna you can find us on the we know we ho channels that may change but for right now uh, we are here let us know your thoughts. Um, also, uh, if you are in West Hollywood or around the area in Los Angeles, come check out V Wine Room. It's such it's an adorable setting um, in that historic place where Charlie Chaplin once was in the library. Uh, Mikey, you've got happy hour on Monday and Thursday. Is yep. that correct? That's correct. Monday and Thursday, we do a happy hour all day, essentially, um, because we have around 80 wines by the glass. You can imagine that we get a lot of bottles opened up uh, you know, on a busy Saturday and a busy Sunday. So on Mondays, I uh, do a bottle special. And if, if it's an open bottle, the glass price is reduced so we can go through all the open bottles without having any waste. And we do the same thing on Thursdays to get ready for the weekend. Oh, I love that. And then also um, want to mention that if you go into V Wine Room and you want to pick, you don't want to drink and you just want to pick up a bottle for dinner or the beach or uh, the football game or heading to Mammoth, uh, Mikey <laughs> gives 20, 20% or anything. Um, <laughs> Mikey gives 20% off. Yes. Uh, and any bottles to go is 20% off. There we go. So V wine room, we'll put all the show notes. All right. Well, that's a wrap for our first episode. This is going to be a monthly episode. We'll let you know the cadence, but uh, for our listeners out there, thank you so much, Mikey. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. And good luck with the remaining harvest. I'm glad that um, mom's got some of your favorites uh, there waiting for you after a hard day in the fields. Oh, me too. <laughs> and <laughs> let me know when you're back in town because I'm going to come in and, oh, that soul miner just sounds delicious. It is. It's it. Everyone should try it. Let me tell you, it is amazing. That's it. Thanks for listening, folks. And we will see you next month for our second episode of We Know Vino. That's a wrap. Bye, everyone.